I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedda from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Giving away a billion dollars may not be as easy as it sounds. So to help you, if you're one of the world's 1,826 billionaires and want to join the likes of Mark Zuckerberg and Chuck Feeney in the ranks of big donors to charity, Stephen Foley has some advice. Whether your wealth was inherited or made overnight through a tech unicorn, here is Stephen with his guide for would-be philanthropists. Dear listeners, all 1,826 of you, As members of the elite club of the world's billionaires, as counted by Forbes magazine, you have most likely already turned your mind to philanthropy. If you're among the 230 who inherited your $1 billion, you may have been giving for your whole lives. If you made your money more recently in industrialising China or by siring a unicorn in Silicon Valley, you've no doubt been seized by the opportunity to aid those less fortunate and to leave the world a better place. In either case, you are engaging in philanthropic endeavour at an intriguing time, as old ways of giving are being challenged, and even the definition of what it means to be a philanthropist appears to be expanding. High-profile gestures like Mark Zuckerberg's recent promise to dedicate 99% of his Facebook wealth to philanthropy have raised the bar and they've stoked debate, particularly in the US, where the tradition of large-scale philanthropy stretches back to the robber barons John D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie. In this second Gilded Age, societies are again weighing the right balance between encouraging philanthropy and taxing wealth for redistribution by government. But let's leave that policy issue for others. For you, there are more pressing matters to decide. Choices on how quickly, how broadly, how controversially, and through what legal structures you should act. All the questions reflect debates raging in philanthropy. It's no easy task. How do you give away a billion dollars? The first choice is when to give and how quickly. It's much more fun to give while you live than to give while you're dead, Chuck Feeney is fond of saying. He's the Irish-American businessman who founded Duty Free Shoppers, the retail chain, in 1960. And he's the modern exemplar of the giving while living movement which argues that the wealthy should begin their philanthropy early and finish it early too. The movement is a challenge to the traditional US model, under which the foundations created by Rockefeller, Henry Ford and Andrew Mellon are still amongst the largest charities in the country, almost seven decades after the last of the founders died. The name of Julius Rosenwald, founder of the retailer Sears, barely registers compared to a Rockefeller, but it's revered amongst the giving while living advocates because he was the first to say that his fortune should be spent down rather than used to endow an enduring organisation. The money ran out in 1948, 16 years after Rosenwald's death. 
Mr. Feeney's foundation, Atlantic Philanthropies, to which he granted his ownership stake in DFS back in 1984, has been given a fixed end date of 2020. Mr. Feeney's 84 now, and Atlantic will make its final grants next year and then start to wind down. Ultimately, it will have donated assets that totaled $8 billion to causes as diverse as care for dementia sufferers in Ireland, AIDS prevention in South Africa, and the fight against the death penalty in the US. Family foundations designed to pass to future generations do remain a mainstream US model, and it's one that's been exported successfully abroad. Philanthropy advisors say it's being copied by the newly minted billionaires in China. And in the Middle East, Saudi Prince Al-Walid bin Talal al-Sud said this year that he'd create a foundation for his children to run after his death as a commitment to all humankind. The reason the Giving While Living movement is in the ascendancy in the US has to do with more than just the fun that Mr. Feeney talks about and that satisfaction of seeing one's money having an effect. There's also the argument from maths. Waiting till later makes sense only if you think that money grows faster than problems, says Hal Harvey, chief executive of Energy Innovation and Environmental Policy Advisor. Big spending on climate change action is more effective now, he says, than dribbling grants out over years as carbon continues to build up in the atmosphere. If the negative compounds faster than the positive, Harvey says, spend your goddamn money. For Christopher Oshley, chief executive at Mr. Feeney's Atlantic Philanthropies, there's also the matter of modesty. It's not like we're the only entity that has wealth to deploy for public good, he says. Don't be so self-absorbed as to believe that what you think and what you do is critical to the world to the exclusion of others. There's more wealth coming. The second decision is who to give your cash to. When the overnight billionaires of the tech industry turn up on the doorstep of the Silicon Valley Community Foundation, a donor advisory organization there, it presents them with a tin of playing cards. Each card is printed with a value, humility, justice, tradition, for example, or a cause, like civil rights, food safety, housing and shelter. The aim is to help the wannabe philanthropist decide what to focus on. Truly, there are a billion ways to give away a billion dollars. Melissa Berman, of another donor advisory organization, Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors, says that a key early question is whether to pick a broad set of causes under an umbrella theme or a narrow set of challenges to work on. Now, perhaps it's the breadth of Facebook's impact in our lives, but its founders have set out strikingly broad ambitions. Mark Zuckerberg set a goal to advance human potential and promote equality for all children. And in a public letter to his newborn daughter, Max, he ranged widely over potential focus areas, from personalized education to curing diseases to building communities. Meanwhile, his Facebook co-founder, Dustin Moskowitz, along with his wife, Carrie Tuner, have taken a methodical approach to picking interventions from a giant spreadsheet that includes an assessment of the value of everything from preventing asteroids hitting the Earth to giving cash grants to villagers in Kenya. The asteroids didn't get the money, by the way. The Kenyan villagers did. Ms. Tuna's striking message about picking causes is, don't fall in love. Getting out into the field to see a charity's work can have a downside. She says, it's quite easy to fall in love with an issue. Site visits are an important tool once you've chosen your focus area. It's less valuable as a comparative tool. Advocates of a narrow approach 
perhaps tackling diseases that have claimed family members or acting on social problems in your neighbourhood, say it can be easier to bring passion to fewer causes. Sean Parker, a Facebook investor, wrote earlier this year that philanthropists need to concentrate on areas where they have a unique insight or a novel approach. Now, narrow doesn't mean unambitious, but it does mean that the ambitious, narrow philanthropist will need to think about their tolerance for risk. Ms. Berman says that there's an eggs-in-one-basket issue. A philanthropist who bets big on, for example, a particular approach to cancer may end up with little to show, she says, except that, quote, you could argue you saved the medical community from spending a billion dollars going up a blind alley. Now, third, how comfortable are you with getting political? Laura Arilaga Andreessen, author of Giving 2.0 and wife of venture capitalist Mark Andreessen, is asking, because with a billionaire's ambition to produce big changes in the world, comes the need to galvanize both the public and politicians. Anyone wanting to alleviate the problem of homelessness in San Francisco, for example, quickly understands that changing city government policies will have more lasting impact than funding shelters. And no one person is going to solve climate change either, which is why donors such as Jeff Skoll, a former eBay executive, have focused on stirring public action through grassroots campaign groups, PR, and, a decade ago, funding the production of the Al Gore documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. System-wide change is an explicit goal of many of today's richest philanthropists. It's certainly more fashionable than building hospitals or funding museums, but it's difficult and controversial work. Mazarilaga Andreessen's book includes a whole section called Going Into Battle. She wrote, As an advocacy philanthropist, you need to be certain of your beliefs and prepared to defend your principles. Controversy goes with the territory. There's never been a clear line between philanthropy and politics. Figures who are more widely known as political donors, such as Charles Koch, also fund philanthropic operations that dovetail with their beliefs. The Charles Koch Foundation funds scholarships and academic chairs to promote research into free markets, and it pays for the Economic Freedom of the World Index at the Fraser Institute. And then there's the cause of changing the U.S. education system through the creation of charter schools, which are new institutions within the public sector but semi-detached from local authority control. That cause is supported by philanthropists from the Walton retail family to hedge fund managers to Bill Gates, but it's come up against fierce union resistance. Mr. Harvey argues that philanthropists need to make a clear choice. You can get as much good press as you want, he says. Just give money to local boys and girls clubs or to the local symphony. The smaller the problem you tackle, the stronger your gratification signals. With systemic change, even if you succeed, the causal chain is murky. There's less attribution, less social credit. Consider this, though. Even giving one-off lump sums to well-established, non-political, historic institutions is no guarantee of steering clear of public criticism, as John Paulson found this year. The hedge fund manager's $400 million gift to Harvard University was criticised, perpetuating inequality by further endowing an already elite institution. The fourth and final question is how to give. eBay founder Pierre Omidyar said that it was a no-brainer to reject the traditional model of US philanthropy, and in 2003 he stopped using a charitable foundation for his giving. Yes, there would be an extra tax bill of a million or two million dollars a year, 
But in the context of spending $100 million annually on good works, that seemed a small price to pay for what years later he called, quote, the flexibility to use every possible tool to improve the world. Charitable foundations have been the bedrock structure for conducting philanthropy at scale in the U.S. for more than a century. Some of the value of gifts to a personal foundation can be offset against other taxes, and in return, the government requires that the organization disperse at least 5% of their assets each year and sets other rules, including a ban on political activity. The eBay founder's decision to conduct his philanthropy through the Omidyar Network, a limited liability company without those tax privileges and without those restrictions, is now been followed by the likes of Lorreen Powell Jobs, the widow of Steve Jobs, and by Mark Zuckerberg. Matt Bannock, managing partner at the Omidyar Network, says that grants have accounted for only about half of the LLC's $890 million of spending since its inception. It's for-profit impact investments go alongside. These fit Mr. Omidyar's aims of promoting financial inclusion and access to the internet. They include Paga, a mobile phone-based money transfer service in Nigeria, and eCurrency Mint, a Dublin company that allows central banks to create digital currencies similar to Bitcoin. Mr. Bannock explains, How many non-profits have scaled up from zero to $50 million in revenue over the past 40 years? The answer, according to a study by Bridgespan, is 142. How many for-profits have scaled up? It's tens of thousands. Mr. Bannock says, If their product or service is contributing to the good of the world, they can have a more significant positive impact. The emergence of these multi-pronged approaches, for-profit, not-for-profit, lobbying, these approaches to using a billion-dollar fortune have changed what it means to consider oneself a philanthropist. Making a donation and having a library named after you pales against the ambition of a new generation of givers. The success of this evolution will be measured not only by the diseases cured, the lives saved or improved, and the social challenges overcome, but also in part by the acceptance of this approach amongst the public at large. For now, there are cynics. As Jesse Isinger of ProPublica, the investigative journalism outfit founded by subprime mortgage billionaires Marion and Herbert Sandler, tweeted after Mr. Zuckerberg's pledge this month, I'm so grateful to Silicon Valley for having disrupted my definition of philanthropy. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 